pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. church. Hallelujah. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, if you would, send up a couple of hearts or something so I know I'm getting through here. I haven't done this in a while. I want to make sure that I'm on Facebook Live right now. Praise the Lord. Before we even get started this morning, I just want to extend Pastor Rhett and I's heartfelt thanks for all the prayers that went up for us and all the kind words and the texts and phone calls concerned about our health. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. There's no doubt that we felt your prayers. The prayers of the saints are a powerful thing. And I'm telling you, when you don't know what else to do or where else to go, you can go to the saints and the saints will lift you up in prayer and help sustain you through just about anything you can imagine. And uh, as you know, it's been a rough few weeks. Uh, Pastor Ed and I have been going through the COVID and uh, all kinds of emotional highs and ups and downs. And of course, we know what happened last week. We lost our beloved Winnie. And so on top of sorrow, we have more sorrow, but through it all, God is gonna get us through it, church. I can promise you that one day at a time, one minute at a time, one week at a time, we're going to make it. But Pastor Ed and I just wanted you to know that we really appreciate you and we appreciate the prayers and everything and the support. And uh, we've also been praying for you. Uh, we know that some of you guys have been really going through it as well. And so we've been lifting you up in prayer. And I'm telling you, God has been getting bombarded this past couple of weeks for sure. Well, anyway, we appreciate it, and uh, if you would this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me to Daniel, the first chapter, and we're going to read the first through the seventh verse. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about decreeing a thing, something that I learned the value of. Uh, I mean, I've always known the value of decreeing things and declaring things and speaking the Word of God over your life, but... Uh, this past few weeks, I've really learned the meaning of decreeing a thing. But anyway, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. And then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. He said, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. 
And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs, the one that was training them, gave them names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So, uh, you have to excuse me, I'm a little bit short of breath this morning, but we're going to make it all right. But I'm going to be taking excerpts from the book of Daniel, chapters 1 all the way through chapter 6. I'm going to be jumping around and, and reading different things from the book. I'd like to read the entire book of Daniel. That's how powerful it is and how important it is, him being an end-time prophet. I mean, he told us about Jesus Christ. He told us about the church. He told us about the tribulation period. He told us about the Antichrist. He told us about the uh, uh, Battle of Armageddon. He told us about the return of Christ. There's so much power in this book, but I'm just going to take some excerpts that I really believe are going to apply to our lives today. So you have to excuse me. I'm going to be doing a lot of reading right out of the Bible here, but we started out in the first chapter in the uh, book of Daniel with the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon besieging Jerusalem, taking a capture under the rule of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. And he took Israel captive and took it back to Babylon with him, took Israel back to Babylon with him. And then he set aside certain of the captives to be trained for his service. And since they were going to be directly involved in the king's service, they had to be perfect in physical appearance, well-favored among the people, skillful in wisdom, cunning in knowledge, and with an understanding in science. So he had some high qualifications for these people, and I thank God that he doesn't pick us like that. I thank God he looks on our heart and picks us based on what he sees in our heart, not the outward appearance, not even considers our abilities, because wherever we're lacking, he'll make it up for us. So I thank God that he chooses us just the way that we are. But anyway, he then wanted them to be taught the native culture and the native language. In other words, he wanted them indoctrinated so they could be more effective as they served him. And it was quite intensive training. I mean, it took three years of intense training and preparation before they would even qualify, not for the king's service, but an interview for the king's service. So among these captives were the four Hebrew boys we mentioned, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And as we know, the uh, eunuch changed their names to Belteshazzar for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that's the way that we know them. And the Bible says that God showed them favor and gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And then he also gave Daniel the ability to understand and interpret visions and dreams. And that was going to turn out to be very valuable later. And after their training was complete, they're brought before the king for an interview. And the king found them to be ahead of all their peers in all matters of wisdom and 10 times better or 10 times smarter than all the other wise men, magicians and astrologers in the land. So even when you're in a place where you don't feel like you fit in, 
A little of God's favor will exalt you in the presence of your peers and advance you ahead of everyone else. And this works at school. It works at work. It works anywhere you want it to work. And I remember Pastor Ed every morning before our kids left for school, she'd lay hands on their little pumpkin heads and she would pray over them. And this is one of the prayers that she would pray that, that God would show them favor and that they would gain wisdom and knowledge and be 10 times smarter than the other students. Well, anyway, eventually God gave King Nebuchadnezzar a dream. And so the king calls the Chaldean wise men and magicians and astrologers and sorcerers to the palace to interpret it, but he didn't call Daniel. And remember, when God gave Daniel the ability to, turn, to uh, interpret dreams and visions, Daniel may not have understood it at the time, and a lot of times we don't understand why God does things uh, with us at certain times in our lives. But understand this, God always has a plan, and God always has a reason for everything that he does in our lives. And even though it doesn't appear like it's going to help us right now or uh, help our need right now, God has something going on in the future, and he's preparing us. And that's exactly what he was doing with Daniel here. So God gives King Nebuchadnezzar his dream, but then he allowed the dream to flee the king's mind so as to keep the wise men and these magicians and sneaky little devils from manipulating the interpretation. You know, it's one thing to interpret a dream. If I tell you a dream, you can interpret it any way you want to. I won't know if it's accurate or not until it either comes to pass or doesn't come to pass. And that's usually pretty far out in the future because uh, they don't want to be found out that they're a bunch of phonies. And if nothing else, it buys them a little time. But uh, as we know, the king says, no, I don't want the interpretation. I want you to give me the dream first. And, uh, you know, for, uh, like I said, for you to tell somebody an interpretation is a lot different than you being able to tell them what the actual dream was. There's no way that they could have manipulated something like that. And that was God's idea behind it. Because if they didn't get the dream right, then there's no way they're going to get any part of the interpretation right. Well, they asked the king to tell them the dream and they would give him the meaning. But he said, no, you tell me the dream first. And they said, no one in the world could do that, O king. He says, there's nobody smart enough in the world to do that. And they were right in saying that because there was nobody in the world smart enough to do that. But there's a God in heaven that reveals secrets. But can you see God setting the stage here for Daniel? He's getting ready to exalt Daniel and give him uh, favor in the eyes of the king. Well, of course, none of the wise men of the land could tell the king what his dream was. And that made the king so furious that he made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon, except they interpret this dream uh, or tell them the dream and interpret it, that they be chopped up and their houses reduced to rubble. Only problem is that would have included Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego's house as well. So there's something here we need to understand about a decree. A decree is an authoritative order or decision that must be obeyed. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's kind of like an executive order, although executive orders can be broken, as we well know. 
It's a declaration or decree by someone who has the power to back it up. You know, it's one thing to say you're going to do something, but not have the power to back it up or the power to do it. So it's to ordain a thing, and it is to decide what is to be done and what must take place. And the thing about a decree is that once a decree is made, it cannot be rescinded or altered. If the conditions aren't met for the decree, then the decree must be carried out. Uh, and that's in every detail without exception. And uh, like I said, an, all, uh, uh, an executive order is sort of like that. It's the president making a decree, except that that could be altered later by another president or another king, but not a decree. So Daniel got wind of the decree and he asked the king's captain who was going to carry this sentence out on all the wise men of Babylon. And he said, why did the king make such a hasty decree? Decree. And the captain told him that what was going on. And so Daniel went to the king and asked him to give him a little time. And he would tell the king the dream and the interpretation of it. And the king agreed. So Daniel immediately, this is what I want you to know, Daniel immediately goes to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those of like precious faith. He, actually, we could say he went to church because then they had a prayer meeting and they asked God for mercy uh, so that they wouldn't perish with the Chaldean wise men. And you know, sometimes we don't understand what's going on. We don't even know exactly how to pray. I don't know about you, but during this last three or four weeks, uh, uh you know, I just can speak for myself, but I went through a rough time and, you know, I try to keep the faith and try to quote the word and try to uh, continue my prayer life and communication with God. But there was times when I felt like I was speaking to my mountain, but it wasn't moving. I, I knew weapons had been formed against me, but it seemed like they were prospering. And, and we can come to a place like that in our lives and we don't really know what to pray or how to pray. But I'm going to tell you one thing. You can always go boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need, Hebrews 4.16. And, and when you don't know what else to do or how else to ask for something, you can go to God and ask for mercy. Mercy prayers always work. God is full of mercy. He renews his mercies every day. And thank God when I didn't know how to pray, that's exactly what I did. I went to God to obtain mercy and find grace to help. And this is what the Hebrew children did. Well, God reveals to Daniel in the night vision, the king's dream and the interpretation. So Daniel went to the king and explained to him the dream and its meaning. So he told the king that he saw in his dream a great image set before him that had a head of gold. It was an image of a man. It had a head of gold, breast and arms of silver, uh, belly of brass, legs of iron, and feet that were iron mingled with clay. And then the king saw a stone cut from a mountain without hands that struck the image's feet of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. Of course, when you strike the feet and uh, break them to pieces and the legs, then, then the image is going to fall. And so... Uh, then the king saw a stone cut from a mountain without hands that struck the image and brought it down. And the stone brought the whole image to the ground and then all the other metal parts 
the head of gold, the breast and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of brass, and the legs of iron were all broken to pieces and were blown away like chaff from a summer threshing floor. So in other words, it powderized that, that statue. I don't care the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, the clay mingled with iron. It pulverized it and blew it out, off in the wind as though it was uh, chaff. Now the stone that smote the image then became a great mountain and it filled the whole earth. And that was exactly what the dream uh, was that the king had. And then Daniel gave him the interpretation. And I want you to listen to this part. Daniel told him in chapter 2, he says, Thou, O king, are a king of kings, not the king of kings, a king of kings. Uh, in other words, there was no greater king in the earth than him. And uh, he says, God has given you a kingdom that reaches to the ends of the earth. You are the head of gold. <coughs> Excuse me. After you shall arise a second, third, fourth, and fifth kingdom, but all inferior to yours. The feet and toes of iron and clay represent a divided kingdom that is only partly strong and partly broken because clay cannot be mingled with iron, oil with water, light with darkness, and the list goes on and on. There's certain things in this world that cannot be mingled. And that's why our country is in such great danger right now, because we're divided and we're partly strong and partly broken. And if we don't get it together soon, then I'm sure that the our enemies, other kings and kingdoms are going to take advantage of that weakness. But anyway, the second king, the second kingdom represented by the silver breast and arms was the Medo Persian Empire under Cyrus and Darius, and Daniel served under this kingdom as well. He served under those three kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus, Darius. The third kingdom represented by the brass belly and thighs was the Greco-Macedonian Empire under Alexander the Great. This will make sense in a little while, but the fourth kingdom, the legs of iron, represents the great Roman Empire under the different Caesars, the, the, the empire that Jesus entered the world in. And the fifth kingdom, the feet and toes were, uh, that were part iron and part clay. This is really interesting because this really made up of 10 individual kingdoms and 10 individual kings as represented by the 10 toes. So Daniel's talking about end times. That's why I said Daniel had this insight. He was a major prophet. And he told us things that none of the other prophets were able to tell us. And although it's not in its final form, these ten toes, the ten kingdoms and kings, they represent the modern-day European Union. Now, these ten kingdoms represented by the ten toes, they will exist in the last days, the days that we're living in now, before the coming of Christ, and will be destroyed at his coming to the Battle of Armageddon. After the rapture of the church, these kingdoms will be ruled by ten different kings during the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, or Daniel's 70th week that he talked about. And then by the Antichrist himself, he's going to subdue these kingdoms, and he's going to become the head of all these kingdoms, and he's going to rule over them for the last three and a half years. And the ten kingdoms will 
eventually become known, or what we will know as the revised Roman Empire. It's going to have the same type of power and uh, influence as the old Roman Empire did. And Daniel said it's in the days of these kings that the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And this kingdom, represented by the stone that was cut out without hands, cut out of the mountain without hands, is the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, and his church. Hallelujah. And that stone that was cut out and thrust into the earth on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came to the earth and the church was born, that stone went out and has been filling the earth ever since. And it's become this great mountain, and it's going to become even greater before the return of the Lord. And it's the church under the leadership of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that will break in pieces and consume all the other kingdoms of this world. And this kingdom, the kingdom of God, the church under Jesus Christ, will stand forever and ever. Hallelujah. But let's get back to the subject of decrees, because I have a point that I want to make here. Turn to Daniel chapter 3 with me, and I want to show you another of the king's decrees. And this is under King Darius, one of Nebuchadnezzar's predecessors. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. So in other words, the king was setting a buffer around himself, a firewall, if you will. You know, maybe a, a house of representatives in a congress. And uh, they were going to make decisions and uh, keep the king from all of these pressures and everything, so that he would have no damage. And then this... Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. It doesn't say he had an excellent spirit, which he did, but it said an excellent spirit was found in him, and the king set him over the whole realm. And then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So these other princes were super jealous and envious of Daniel, and they wanted to get him out of the way and promote themselves. And then said these little devils, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. In other words, we're going to persecute him for his beliefs. We're going to per persecute him because he's a Christian. So we'll find something in his own law that will work against him. And then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius lived forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together. All the little devils got together and they conspired together and came up with a plan to establish a royal statute, not statue, statute, and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition or any uh, God, uh, 
or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king. In other words, they can't make petitions. They can't pray to anybody. They can't ask no God except you. And he says, if they do, O king, he should be cast into the den of lions. Now, the devil wrote this decree, but they tricked the king into signing it because the king was, he's inflated with pride. He's got a big head and He's thinking, yeah, I'm the God of this uh, earth and everything. People have to come to me. And so uh, they tricked him into signing it. And then they say, now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not, can't be altered, can't be rescinded. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and in and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he always did. So even though Daniel knew of the decree, he knew it was a law that violated the laws of his God, he went ahead and did it anyway. And that's what we should do. You know, we're required to obey the laws of the land Unless that law is evil and it violates the law of God, and then we have to stand up for our God's laws and we have to stand up for our God and, and hold our ground. And there may be consequences for it, but we can't back down and we can't deny the laws of God because man changes them or man says it's different. Then in verse 11, it says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. That was the exact reason for the decree. So the devil's got the kingdom to sign their decree that you couldn't pray to any other God, couldn't ask of any other God. And the whole thing was a trap for Daniel because they knew Daniel was going to pray anyway. And they knew that he prayed out loud three times a day and no decree was going to stop him. What a testimony for Daniel. You know, do we have a testimony like that? I would hope to think that I could have a testimony like that someday where somebody would say, you know what, even though in the face of danger, even though in the face of adversity, Pastor Mike stood up for, for the word of God and stood up for his beliefs. So anyway, about the time that Daniel prayed every day, they all went over to his house with witnesses and then went and ratted him out to the king. Now, let me show you the power of a, of a king's degree. Even though uh, the last thing the king wanted to do was bring harm to Daniel because the king really loved Daniel and uh, he didn't want to bring harm to him and he still had to throw him in the lion's den because of the decree. And, you know, it's, it's like the Bible tells us in Daniel here that uh, the king stressed out all day. He tried to find ways all day around this decree and tried to find a way to vindicate Daniel and set him free, but he couldn't. And the Bible says it really grieved the king to have to execute this decree on his friend Daniel. And how do I know it grieved the king? Because the Bible says he fasted all that night and he didn't even sleep a wink. And first light in the morning, he got straight up and ran to the, to the lion's den to see if Daniel's God saved him. 
Now, how many knows we have a God that saves to the uttermost? And so God sent an angel to Daniel that night and shut the lion's mouths. And, and the king realized Daniel's God saved him. So after he called all the little devils that tricked him into signing the decree, he had them thrown into the same lines then, not only them, but their wives, their children, their entire families. And, and then the king made another degree, hallelujah. <laughs> and he said this, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. Remember that he rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You see what favor will do? You see what obedience will do? Do you see what standing up for God will do? The three Hebrew children, they had to stand up for God and they got thrown in the furnace. But guess what? God showed up in the midst of that furnace and he delivered them and saved them. Amen. He did the same thing for Daniel. And I'm telling you, when you're thrown in the lion's den or you're thrown in the fiery furnace, there's going to be a fourth man show up in the fire and there's going to be an angel to come and rescue you and assist you in the lion's den. Every time you just have to stand up and stand out as a Christian and let people know what you believe and God will show you favor and God will exalt you in the presence of your enemies. And when fear tries to grip you, then you know it's time to stand up and speak out. And this is not the time to draw back. I'm telling you, one of the biggest battles Pastor Ed and I had through this whole ordeal here, and we're going through it, but we're closer to the top right now. Uh, one of the biggest things we had to resist was fear through this thing. I mean, fear would try to try to grip us every day, every single day. We would have to rebuke fear and stand on the word of God, that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Hallelujah. But anyway, I said all of that to say this, if a heathen king being influenced by the devil can make a degree that cannot be broken and must be obeyed and carried out, can't be altered or rescinded, then how much more powerful would a degree that be that comes from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We give the devil way too much credit and way too much authority at times. You know, the King of Kings made a decree. It's called the Bible. The entire word of God is our King's decree. Every promise in the word is a decree from God. If the devil can carry out his decrees and they can't be altered or rescinded, then we certainly can carry out God's decrees which cannot be altered or rescinded. And when we declare or decree a thing in faith, the word of God over our circumstances, then that decree must be obeyed by the devil. Our circumstances must obey and it can't be altered or rescinded. There's not a law in the, in the land that can alter it. Jesus said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say or decree unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe 
those things that he decrees, he shall have whatsoever he decrees. Amen. That's a decree in itself. Jesus decreed a decree that we'll have what we say. And I'm telling you, when you declare the word of God in faith, you're acting on the authority of the king because we're ambassadors of Christ. And, and, and when we speak what our uh, king said, it's as though he spoke it himself. Hallelujah. Your enemies must obey and comply. The uh, sickness must obey and com comply. Fear must obey and comply. Lack must obey and comply because these are all uh, enemies of the faith. Hallelujah. In Mark 16, 15 through 18, the last thing Jesus said before he departed the earth and went to heaven, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to the, every creature. He that believeth and is baptized it will be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. It has nothing to do with the baptism. It has to do, all has to do with the believing. And he said that, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Uh, they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. I don't know if you understand it or not, but that is a decree that Jesus made and gave to us. And we're not asked to plead with satanic powers to release uh, what they have captured or to make a request to them. Jesus was telling us, just go into the world and enforce the decree. Enforce the word. We are to decree the word of God with boldness, not timidity. And when we issue a decree from the word of God, it cannot be challenged by any other kingdom or any other law of man. Job said, you will also decide and decree a thing and it will be established for you, and the light of God's favor will shine upon your ways. He says, you decree it, it will be established. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to confuse something like this. It would take a good theologian to confuse this. Uh, it is so simple. Actually, God gave us a decree, and all we have to do is enforce the decrees in our life. Now, I I said all of that to say this. I want to give you an example, uh, a real life experience that happened to me during this uh, thing we've been going through with this stinking COVID. Uh, this might be a little difficult, but I'm going to try to get through it. I, I, I went through a really rough patch. Of course, my wife and I both did, but I went through especially hard, hard patch because I had to go to the hospital emergency room because I couldn't breathe. And uh, I, I called my son Mike to take me because I didn't want to, if we called the ambulance, then I'd have to go to the nearest hospital, which is here in Shelbyville. And God bless him, but that's not the hospital of my choice. And so the only way I can go to the hospital of my choice uh, would be for my son to come and take me. So uh, Mike gets here and he comes to the door and so I had to uh, hug my wife and kiss her and we stood at the doorway and cried because I didn't know if that was going to be the last time I got to hug or kiss her or not. She couldn't go to the hospital. She was sick herself and 
So thank God for Mike and Chris and all the help that we received from him. But anyway, we went to the hospital. I spent several hours in the emergency room and they were giving me IVs and injecting me with medi medications and taking uh, CT scans and x-rays. And anyway, long story short, I, I had uh, the COVID pneumonia which is a pretty serious thing for a 73-year-old man with other conditions. And so I remember towards the end of my stay there, and I didn't know it was going to be the end of my stay or not. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to be admitted or not, because if they couldn't get my breathing on track, they was going to have to admit me, which would be a bad thing. Uh, the hospital ain't a bad thing. Being admitted would be a bad thing. And, and so... Uh, I remember they had done everything they could. I was breathing a little bit better. My oxygen levels were up and everything. And this nurse comes in there and, and God bless them. I'm going to tell you, there are some, there's some real troopers and rock stars in them hospitals. And, and I appreciate them greatly. And, and I appreciate the sacrifice they're making. But she come in there and she tells me, come on, we got to take a walk. And she said, we're going to take your oxygen monitor with you. And she says, we're going to walk all around the emergency room, which is a large place. And she says, your oxygen levels have to maintain 90 or above. Uh, if they don't, we won't be able to send you home. Well, I'm going to tell you what. You talk about fear hitting you. And uh, it immediately came to my mind. Well, you know, you might as well tell me this is the walk of life or death. And I thought... Of a, uh, of a scripture where God said, I said before you this day, life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. And so uh, I immediately began to choose life. I said, I, I choose life. As we started walking them hallways, I said, I choose life in the name of Jesus. I said, my oxygen will not drop below 90 in the name of Jesus. My oxygen will stay above 90. And man, we made that walk. And I came back and the whole time that we walked, and I, I know I was getting winded. I was using oxygen. Uh, my oxygen levels dropped, but never dropped below 92. And we got back to the room and she said, I think they're going to be able to release you. She said, if your oxygen level didn't maintain at least 90 or above, she said, you were going to get admitted, you know. And I said, well, thank God it did, you know. And, and at that time, I didn't have a prayer. I didn't know what to do. I just began to decree that my oxygen levels would maintain at least 90 or better. And, and thank God they did. And thank God I came home and, and been on the mend ever since. I've had a couple episodes. I had to go back to the doctor, went back to a cardiologist and all of that. But uh, thank God he seen me through. But it was because I had the presence of mind to know what to declare and what to decree. Then I'm gonna give you one more example. Uh, a couple of nights ago, uh, I take medicine for sugar, diabetic medicine. I'm uh, type two diabetic, I guess you call it. And I've always been able to maintain, maintain my sugar levels through exercise and diet and just being careful about some things. But on these medications and stuff, especially the steroids, it causes your blood sugar to go crazy, you get all kinds of weird symptoms and stuff. But anyway, I was feeling weird the other night. It was right before bedtime, we're getting ready to go to bed. And uh, my vision was going in and out. And I said, well, all right, something's going on here. So I said, let me go check my blood sugar. I go check my blood sugar. 
and it's uh, 433. Uh, and I don't know if you realize or not, that's pretty dangerous. Uh, anyway, I wouldn't go to bed with a blood sugar like that because you can go into a coma. And so I began to walk around and I began to declare, I was just walking through the house a little rapidly, trying to get my blood sugar to go down a little bit. And all I could do was declare and decree. I said, I want my blood sugar to drop at least 100 points here in the next 10 minutes, at least 100 points. And, and I wanted it to get down below 300 or at least get into a, a safer zone so that I would be able to sleep safely. And so uh, I just kept walking and decreeing, walking and decreeing, and I kept claiming my blood sugar to drop by 100 or more degrees. And then finally, after about a half an hour, I went to the... Uh, uh, bathroom and I retested my blood and it was 293 so it had dropped 140 points and it was still coming down I just kept walking I didn't take it again I kept walking a little longer and I kept decreeing a little longer and my wife was praying for me and uh, finally I, I went to bed and I went to sleep and, and I felt safe doing it you know but I mean uh, there was nothing else that could have did that for me except me making that decree and then I woke up uh, a couple of times during the night uh, with the same thing on my mind. Fear tried to grip me and I wouldn't allow it to. And I decreed, I said, my blood sugar is returning to normal numbers in the name of Jesus. And I just kept saying that's the only defense I had, you know. I, I didn't have a shot of insulin to take or anything like that. My only defense was the word of God and me decreeing it. And anyway, I got up the next morning. Uh, it wasn't immediately, but a little while later, I took my blood sugar and it was 137. I mean, we're talking about a blood sugar that drops 300 points uh, in a matter of 12 or, or 14 hours. You know, that doesn't happen by natural means. I mean, it had to be God and it had to be me decreeing God's word in the face of the devil. That's what I mean by being able to decree something. And that's how we uh, need to be controlling our lives. Amen? I mean, we have to know our God and the word he's spoken. Daniel say, they that said, they that know their gods, talking about the last day, they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. And, and so, uh, you know, in order to be strong and do exploits, that was an exploit. That was a miracle. And in order to be strong and do that, you got to know your God. Amen? And we have to pray and come against fear because uh, we have to declare our health, declare our wealth, declare our successes, declare our children's successes. They don't come by happenstance and they don't come automatically. And, you know, uh, people have generational curses that are following them through life because they've never really taken authority over them. And, and they're passed from generation to generation and ignorantly accepted by innocent family members because they just don't know any better. I mean, generational curses have been passing down sickness and disease and fear and worry and anxiety and alcohol and drugs and abuse and you name it. These things have been coming down through generational curses from our predecessors and we've just been accepting them and receiving them and, and ignorantly walking in them thinking that there's nothing that can be done but there is something can be done you can draw a line in the sand and you can say the buck stops here and you know you have to 
issue decrees against these things because uh, like I said, it, it, it doesn't happen automatically and uh, your life will be bettered uh, by the decrees you're making if you're surrendered to God, not just being saved, not just being a believer, but being surrendered to God. The more you're surrendered, the more your authority you will have in making these declarations and decrees. And I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, little things. I'm telling you, you can decree big things in your life, big things in your children's lives, and uh, they will be established, like Job said. And, you know, some people who have all but given up will see God appear in their situation. I mean, it's just like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, it looked like the end for them, but God showed up. It looked like the end for Daniel, but God showed up. I'm telling you, when, when, you, when it looks the worst, it can possibly look, God is going to show up. So, you know, there's no bondage that is greater than the power of God. There's no element the devil has against you that is greater than God. There's no situation that is greater than the authority of God. As a matter of fact, before Jesus departed the earth, in, uh, we read it in Mark, but in Matthew, he said, All authority is given unto me. Go ye now. In other words, the authority that's been given unto me, I've given it to you. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So, you know, we have the power of the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the word of God, which is his decrees, and we have the confession of our mouth. And, and uh, these are all, uh, this is a tremendous power that's been made available to us from our king in the decree that he's given us called the Bible. So know your Bible, know the decrees that God has given us, and begin to state them boldly and begin to enforce them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that those powers become evident in every one of our lives. I declare every stubborn situation, every attack and oppression of the enemy is defeated in the name of Jesus. I declare that every weapon that is formed against us will fail in the name of Jesus. I declare that everything the devil is using against our lives and our health is broken right now in Jesus' name. I declare that every generational curse that has come against our people will cease and desist in the name of Jesus. I declare health, wealth, and success in each and every one of their lives in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, again, I appreciate you all. Uh, thank you for your prayers. We're getting better every day. And... Uh, we're hoping that maybe next Sunday we can return to church and uh, personal live services in, in our building itself. And uh, that's, that's kind of what we've been planning to do. And we haven't talked it over with anybody yet, which we will do this week. Uh, but we'll keep you posted. And uh, until then, we'll probably be on Facebook Live. I don't know about this Wednesday because, of course, we have... Uh, Gwenny's uh, visitation this Wednesday at the funeral home, so I know I won't be. I don't know if Daryl will be. I, I I think we probably just cancel Wednesday service because of that, and then, like I said, maybe meet together personally and and in the church building next Sunday. But God bless you. It's good to see you. It's good to be able to talk to you again, speak into your lives. I appreciate the time you afforded me today. I pray you got something out of this, and remember. 
stand up, stand out, and be bold for Jesus, declare and decree his word in the face of the enemy. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.